good morning in English, by the way, if you're curious. Uh, we have a couple of uh, kids going to camp, and we recognize them in the, uh, in the first service. Um, and I don't think any of them are in this service, but I want to make sure their names are in front of you and mentioned. And I also want to make sure that throughout this week, uh, you guys pray for these kids. What I like is for every person in here to pick a name. Just pick a name. Pick a name. So wonderful, wonderful kids, and they're going to be uh, uh, going to camp this year or this uh, this week. Myra Varner, Ella Carpenter, Emerson Carpenter, Mia Aino, Nathan Aino, and Seth Skidmore, and I believe I believe Kinsley Alig is going to uh, camp this week as well. So please keep these kids in mind, and I just want to pray for these kids while we're here. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for them. We thank you that you have created these wonderful, wonderful kids uh, to know you and to bring glory to you. Uh, We ask, Father, that they enjoy their time at camp, but also that they are safe and they learn more and more, to know more and more, not just about Jesus, but about how much he loves them and cares about them, Father. I thank you that they're surrounded by men and women who know Jesus. We ask, Father, that you watch over their families as they're, uh, they're at camp and uh, that uh, you bring them back uh, from this great experience uh, very safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, VBS is over, and we've done a great job, I think, this year. I think every year is our best year. I know I say that every year, uh, but uh, this year I mean it, okay? That's, uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, I certainly want to thank David and Kim uh, Whitaker, Kim and, and her, her daughter Megan uh, were here most days, just about every day, I think, uh, being our missionaries for uh, Central Brazil Mission. And with our missions committee match, we ended up raising, kids ended up raising that week uh, $2,850 uh, $2, to send back with Earl to the Central Brazil Mission and Project Amazonas. So I think that's great. And I appreciate their dedication to that and their parents' dedication to that, giving uh, what they have. Uh, Earl and Ruth Ann, many of you know, some of you have had the joy and challenge of spending some time on the river with them, the Amazon River with them. But those of you who may not know, Earl and Ruth Ann have been the boots on the ground, directing the work of Central Brazil Mission for 52 years. And all of you know, or certainly most of you know, that this is a mission this church supports and has supported for some time. We support it with our treasure, our time, and our talent, such as it is. Earl and Ruth Ann live in Brazil. They live in a city in Brazil, but since I still can't pronounce it, we're going to say they live in Brazil. And they have a deep love and appreciation for the villages and churches they serve. Today, Earl has been gracious enough to share some of the goings-on and the finer points of CBM and Project Amazonas, keeping us updated with that incredible work. So with that, why don't you welcome with me Earl Hopner. Okay. Okay. My first two weeks in language school, Okay. I had to watch this lady and her long tongue <laughs> so I could talk Portuguese. Okay. So watch. All right. Goiânia. Goian, Goiânia. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'll make it. Hey. 
Ora, aquele que é poderoso para fazer infinitamente mais do que tudo quanto pedimos ou pensamos, conforme seu poder que opera em nós. A ele seja glória na igreja, em Cristo Jesus, por todas as gerações, para todos sempre. Amém. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. That is Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And I hope through our talk today you will begin to dream. God has a vision and a work for you. And that changed my life when I started putting this into practice. To set goals and to dream. And you'll see that God will do something. If you don't set goals and time goes by, one year goes by and five years go by and ten years go by, and pretty, long, pretty soon life is gone and you never discovered what God wanted to do with your life. God wants to use you. And you are here in this place for a reason. And God has a ministry for you here. So don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to dream. Well, we have been in Brazil 52 years because of Lynn Cleveland. It's interesting because Lynn and Julie, Lynn came to Georgetown as a youth minister when Ruth Ann and I had, had just been married and started going to church. And at the same time, there was another couple from Hamersville, Ohio, uh, Wade and Carolyn Pope. And all six of us had grown up within 12 miles of each other, and we all ended up as missionaries in Brazil. And I remember I was preaching at Hagensport down on the river and having a good ministry. I just finished Bible school. In fact, I had, I had followed Lynn in a job at a gas station while he was in Bible college and I took over that job and, and you know, a lot of things just like we were brothers almost. And somebody said the last service we even sound alike and look alike. So I don't know. Well, anyway, I was preaching and having good ministry, and then we get a letter from Lynn, and he says, Hobner, you need to come and work with us here in Brazil. Well, at that time, the Christian church, Church of Christ, was sending out a lot of missionaries. There were a lot of recruits. But a lot of these recruits had been recruits for four or five years. And that, that's a rough time, because you put your wife and your kids in the car, and you travel church to church, and you try to raise the support you need to get the mission field. But we felt God calling us to Brazil. But I had decided I wasn't going to put my wife or my kids through that. Four or five years in the car and traveling. So we said, okay, God, we will we'll go to Brazil if that's what you want. But here's the way it is. You got two years. And if we don't have the support we need in two years, that's a sign that we don't have the calling. Eighteen months later, we were in language school in Sao Paulo. And I found out that's the way we need to pray. And I have prayed that way ever since. It's not just, oh God, if it's your will, it's going to happen. No, you need to set dates. And God will hear you and he will answer you and you can get on with your life. In every area of your life, you need to do that. 
You need to use a prayer journal and put dates down when you start praying for something and how God will work. And he will. And he will. So we were in, we were in language school. Uh, we lived in Campinas, São Paulo, uh, 14 months. We studied language six hours a day, five days a week for one year. So don't feel bad that you're not, <laughs> not getting it. Because it is hard, and that's how, how we learn. We just were immersed in that for one year, and then we were, we were able to, to, do a, to do a little better. It's still learning it after 52 years. Then we went and worked with another missionary couple. We never did work with Lynn and Julie. It never did work out that we were working together. But uh, we went and worked with another missionary of first term, kind of like an intern. And then uh, we came back. And then uh, went back to Brazil, and I became the director of tea training, which was theological education by extension, where you take a Bible college course to the church, train the people in the church. But we were living at that time uh, kind of far from where most of the churches, so we moved to Goiânia, uh, where we've lived ever since then. Goiânia at that time was a city of about 350,000, a little larger than Russellvania. And, but now it's a city of one and a half million. It has grown. But in, in 1974, there was, we had our Bible Institute, it was training the, the preachers, but this new subdivision went in. And it was an area of about four city blocks, but there were 15,000 people going to live there. Brand new housing subdivision. And the whole house was not any bigger than this, and it was divided you go in into a living, little living room, and then a little bathroom, and then a kitchen, and then the other half of the house was either two bedrooms or three bedrooms. And the whole house was about this side. And it was just house wall, house wall, then a wall behind and another house behind, and that's how it was. And 15,000 people in about four city blocks. Well, we didn't know anyone, but we felt God calling us to start a church there. And so we, we went. House to house, started calling on people, didn't know anybody. So we started using film strips. Now, you, you probably don't even know what a film strip is, but we used film strips, and we showed them on the outside wall this house to attract people. And it just happened that God led us to the right family because Senor Antonio and Dona Jaimunda, they both had been married before, and their mates had died, and they came together. Okay, and they had 28 kids. That's the kind of family you want when you start a church. <laughs> I mean, you got it right there. Now, not only that, but they still had 12 of those kids at home, and they lived in a house this big. Yeah. In their bedrooms, it was just hammock hooks at different levels. That's how they, how they slept. But the church started, and we started growing. And by 1978, we probably had 150 people in the church. And then in 1979, we had a church growth conference with Donna McGavern. Dr. McGavern was the founder of the church growth movement, and him and Peter Wagner came. And Dr. Dr. McGavern was probably almost 90 years old then. It was probably one of his last uh, church growth seminars. And we were able to sit under his teaching. And one of the first things he said was this. He said, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Well, I'd never thought about that. He said, you need to set goals. You need to dream. God has something he wants to do with you. So I went back 
And we had three men in the church at that time. And we sat down, and, and this was in 1980 now. And we're going to set goals for 10 years, for 1990. And we wrote them down. We set goals. How many Christians we wanted to win, how many people we wanted to have, how many churches we wanted to build. And we started. We started praying and working on that. Because you have to divide it up. You can't wait till 1979 and hope, or 1989 and hope you get to goals in 1990. No. You've got to work on it every year. When 1990 came, we had surpassed the number of goals that we had set, the number of Christians we wanted to win. So we set goals then for 2000. Started multiplying. Churches started growing. Church starts. Another church starts. Then 1990, we set goals for 2000. When that came, we had surpassed all those goals. And so it's interesting because our, our ministry is based on this this theme, make disciples, make better disciples, you're going to make more disciples. And it's a multiplication of disciples and a multiplication of churches. Every one of our churches that we start in five years, Debbie, Debbie, Debbie that's Portuguese, ought to start another church. I'm sorry, I'm... Uh, <laughs> every five years, a church should reproduce itself. And so... When we completed 40 years in Brazil, now it's, it's 52 years, but when we, completed, when we had completed 40 years in Brazil, we had started through that one church over 60 to 80 churches now, and we had baptized 40,000 people from those churches. And they continue to grow and to reproduce. And so the 80s came, and the Brazilian church now in the 80s became a missionary church. A lot of Brazilians going to mission fields. And we have now, we have Brazilian missionaries in all the five, the five Portuguese-speaking countries in Africa. We have Brazilian missionaries in China and India and in a lot of places. We are sending out missionaries. And so at this Novo Horizonte Church, which is the mother church of all these others, we decided we want to become a missionary church. So in October of 1994, we had the whole month of missions. Every night we had something at mission, had something at church about mission. Oh, I'd, I'd never do that at the end, but we did. Every night for a month. And we prayed and we fasted and we said, oh God, we want to be a missionary church too. Well, one week went by and two weeks went by and three weeks. At the beginning of the fourth week, I get a phone call from this guy that I had known in Guiana uh, years before. He's now married. He wasn't married then. He's now married, married an Argentina gal, and they're living in Manaus. The only thing I knew about Manaus, Manaus was the capital of the state of Amazonas. And he says, Pastor Francisco, he said, by the way, that's my name. My, Brazilians cannot say Earl. Just ask your kids, well, how, do you, how do you say Earl in Portuguese? Oh! <laughs> well, my middle name is Francis, and so in Brazil, I am called Pastor Francisco. And so this guy calls me, and he says, Pastor Francisco, he said, I'm married now, and married an Argentina guy, and we're going to Argentina, and I've talked to the church, and we'd like for you to come and take over this work here in Manaus. Well, the only thing I knew about Manaus was at that time, when, you, when you'd come back to the States, you would fly from Guiana to Brasilia to Manaus to Caracas to Miami. That was the flight schedule to get back to the United States. 
And so one of these flights, we were in Manaus, it was 6 o'clock in the morning, and people were getting on and off the plane, and I just stepped off the back of the plane to get some, I thought, fresh air. And it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's 100 degrees, and the humidity is the same, 100, almost. And I thought to myself, who in the world would ever want to live or work here? Never let God even know you think things like that. Because he has something in mind. And I would have never believed it that 30 or 40 years, or well, not 40, 30 years ago that we would be working in the Amazon. But in January 25th, 1995, I flew to Manaus with a couple and their three kids, and we took over this little church. Well, the church was in a bad place. It wasn't going to grow. It was on the second floor of an air conditioning repair unit place. And so we moved, and the church started to grow. Then it, we had to move again. And then I could go through the story of how we ended up buying property. And, and the people, in the, the, the poor people that we worked with in Guayana raised $32,000 to buy property to build on. And, and I'll share with you this, because we, we had a couple in our church, Jesus and Marlene. They had four little kids. And they lived on property that his mother owned. And he had a motorcycle, and he had a, he had a pretty good job, and he used the motorcycle back and forth to work. Well, when Pastor Geraldo came to Goiânia to tell the churches there that, you know, we, we, we need to move, we need a property in Manaus to build a bigger church on, while he was speaking, one of the men came up on the, on the platform and gave, gave me a piece of paper, and when he got done, I got up. And the piece of paper said, you know, I, I am 12 years old, and I have a bicycle, and I would like to sell that bike to help buy the property in Manaus. Well, that started a chain reaction. We had people sell their sound systems, their TVs, their bicycles. Well, this couple had these four little kids who lived on the property, and, and Jesus had, a, had a, a motorcycle that he hoped to, to sell at the end of the year to buy property to build his own house because he's living on a, with his mother. And so he calls me one day and he says, Pastor Francisco, he said, Marlene and I have talked and we're going to sell the motorcycle and give the money to help buy the property. Well, I said, right, I said, are you sure you want to do that? Well, what I, what I was saying, I don't think I would. He said, no, we want to do it. They did. Now, I don't preach this prosperity gospel, but I want you to know they sold their bike in July by the end of the year, he had a new bike and a lot to build a house on. And we were able to raise that money uh, to buy the property, and the, and the church started growing. Well, as the church grows in Manaus, you begin to send out people. And so they'd sent out a couple down the river to Urucara. And so now we have a, a church in Urucara. This is back in the, in the mid-90s late 90s. And so when you travel in Brazil, you travel by ferry boat. There's no roads. It's all by boat. So now Pastor Ivan is our preacher in Udukara, and he's back and forth to Manaus and, and all this. So Pastor Geraldo calls me and he says, Pastor Francisco, he said, if we're going to have a good work in the Amazon, we need a boat. I said, okay, let's pray. Who knows? Maybe God wants, to have us, wants us to have a boat. And so 
in October of 98, I was in Manaus with Pastor Geraldo, and we were going around and see what's it going to cost to build this boat, and it's about $50,000. But he said, you know, Senor Aldo, the guy who runs a ferry boat that Pastor Ivan goes back and forth on, he wants to talk to us. So we went down to the dock in, in Manaus, and Senor Aldo comes out with this picture of like a yacht. He said, I have this boat that I use once a month with my family, and... Uh, I want to help you guys. I'll sell it to you. He said, all I want is 120,000 reais, Brazilian money, which converted to dollars was $110,000. Well, I just took the picture and put it in my agenda. And uh, we came back to the States then in December of 98 for furlough of 99. And at the trustees meeting, the trustees approved. Now you can raise support for the boat project. Let's see what happens. And they gave, at that time at the meeting, they came up with the churches that they represented about $15,000. So now we have $15,000. We're on furlough of 1999, and we're traveling church to church reporting. And we're at the Mandarin Christian Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Dennis Bratton is the preacher there. Dennis and I had gone to Bible college together. Dennison's father had been an elder in the church that sent us to Brazil back in 1969. Wherever Dennis preached, that church was a part of our ministry. And so now Mandarin, and when we first went to Mandarin back in probably 1975, they were running 125 people. Now it's, it's 1999, and they're running about 3,000, and they're in a $14 million building program, and I am there to raise money for missions. And they have a monthly payment of $100,000 on their mortgage. Well... Dennis and I being good friends, I didn't want to cause problems in the church. I, you know, I, so in my sermon and what I had to do, I had to preach four times. There were six or 700 people in and out four different times. And all I had to do, I had 20 minutes to preach each service. But in my, in my sermon, I talked about this vision to have a boat in the Amazon. I had to talk about money. I talked about a vision to have a boat. We were dreaming to have a boat in the Amazon. And so in between one of these services, this guy walks up to me. Now, I want you to begin to get the story. This guy is not a member of the church. He just happens to be there that day that I preach. Okay? His daughter's a member there. He's not. And I didn't know that. I thought, you know, he's... he's a, and he comes up to me and he says, I just heard you preach and you're, you're talking about a vision to have a boat in the Amazon. He says, my wife and I help with missions and we go half on a project. How much is this boat going to cost? And I said, well, about $50,000. And I never will forget this. He said, Barbara, come here. You, you heard the guy preach, and they need a boat, and it's $50,000. Don't you think we could give $25,000? And I put my arm around him. I said, I'm sure you could. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, no, yeah. I said, well, I didn't know it was the member. I, I said, no, I don't want to cause any problems here in the church. I said, you better talk to Dennis because I, you, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to cause problems. Well, three weeks later, we get a check for $25,000 from Bill Crawford. Now, I want to jump from March of 99 to 2014-15, where we have coming to work on our boat top surgeons from Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, because Bill Crawford goes to the doctor at Mayo Clinic. 
And I remember years ago, he said, Earl, someday we're going to have doctors from Mayo Clinic working on the boat. I said, Bill, you're crazy. <laughs> Mayo Clinic surgeons coming to work with us? He said, yeah, and they do. About every two years, they come surgeons, and we schedule it at the hospitals. We don't do it on the boat. It's the hospitals where we work. And Mr. Crawford today is 94 years old, and uh, he always calls. He says, Earl, what do you need? I said, Bill, hold on. I'm waiting for a good project for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm all right. Just hold on. But that's the kind of guy he is. And he came. He, he, he's been on the boat. He wants to go again, but I don't think he'll make it again. But that's what happened. And so now we have almost the $50,000. So this is back now in March 99. Go back. back. And I called Pastor Jada. I said, Pastor Jada, what, what's it going to, I got to know what's going to cost to build this boat or to buy a boat. He said, well, it, it, the, it, well it's already 50000 And I said, I really got, he said, it's going to be 70000 now. But he said, you remember Senior Audio Valdo, the guy that had you, gave you that picture of the boat that he has and was $110,000? And I said, yeah. He said, well, he, he wants to help. So he's come down on his price. Now, guess what happens between October of 98 and April of 99? The dollar goes up on the exchange rate. So the boat that was $110,000 in October is $40,000 now. Same boat. So I called. See, he even controls the money market. You know, <laughs> don't worry about it. He, he'll take care of it. So I called one of my trustees. I said, Alden, what are we going to do? He said, let's go see the boat. So we went down and looked at the boat, and he saw how we could. He's, he's a uh, mechanics engineer. He said, well, we can remodel the boat, and, and it'll work. So I remember sitting in Senior Nevada's office in Utukada and paying him $40,000 in Brazilian money for the boat and telling him, you know, he was happy that we were going to help people now that live along the Amazon and help the... You know. But at that time, we were paying rent to this same guy that owned the house, the preacher that lived in Utukada. And so after you see God work, you just know that it's, he's not done. And so I said, Senior Nevada, I said, you know, we're going to help people now with the boat. But we're still paying rent every month. Why don't you give us the house, too? He said, okay. <laughs> he said, don't worry about paying rent anymore. You can have the house. So we got the boat. And so we did the first trip in March of 2000. March of 2000. Did our first trip. We had never done it before. We had no idea what we were doing. And so we ran out of medicine at the first village we went to. All the medicine we had on the boat... It was gone after the first village. But we said, we'll be back. We'll come back every two months and help you. They said, no, you won't. I said, there's a boat by here four years ago. I said, they were coming back, and they never did, and you probably won't either. Well, I knew then the approach we were going to take. We were going to go back. Because there's a lot of those, a lot of church groups have boats, and they do it, but they go one way. Because in the Amazon... We have visited probably 70 villages in 20 years. There are 30,000 villages in the Amazon. So you can take a group, you can go up over up a, a river and, and treat people. Two months later, go up another river and treat people. And two months later, go up another river. You don't help them. And that's what they said. They said, there was a boat by here four years ago. 
They didn't come back, and you probably won't either. Well, we went back. Now, in three counties that we work in, we're starting in a fourth county now, we have churches in almost every one of the villages. Those people are growing in the Lord. We have Brazilian Amazon missionaries that we are training to do the work in the Amazon, and it continues to grow. But on, one, on some of these first trips, we saw little kids that were three and four years old. It was so interesting because they'd get on the boat, they'd get up on the top of the boat, dive in and, and disappear. And I thought, where, where are those kids? A little bit, way out in the middle of the river, they come up. They could swim just like fish. Amazing to see those little kids. But they were full of worms. They had worms come out under their arms and their neck, just full of worms. And so our main medicine has been since then is a wormer. Everybody that comes on the boat gets a wormer, a dewormer. They don't get a wormer. They get a dewormer, <laughs> and they get two months' supply of vitamins. I was telling somebody, was it you about the, the roaches? On the old boat, we had roaches, you know. But we found out why they were so big. They would get in and eat the kids' vitamins in the drugstore, and we had the strongest, biggest roaches you've ever seen. No, it was. It was, it was crazy. Well, now with the new boat, we don't, we, don't, we don't see many roaches, really, even on the new boat now. But that's, that's how we, we started. We went to one of these villages where we have uh, a missionary, Gilberto, and his wife. He said there's another village on back here through, it's like an Everglades, he says, back through there, but those people are strange. We, I don't think we ought to go visit them yet. So we just stayed at his village. Well, there was a couple of times we were there, they came back from town in their boat and they stopped where we were at, at Gilberto's village and they came on the boat. Well, they, wouldn't look, they would come in, but they wouldn't look at you. They, they could talk some, but they, it, they, they, just, they, weren't, they were kind of afraid of people. And that's why he, he, was told, he told us we had better not go back there. Well, after a few trips, them coming on the boat and seeing what we were doing, they said, why don't you come back to our village? We said, okay, that's what we wanted. So Gilberto led us back through the Everglades, back to their village. Poor, poor, poor. And most of the people along the river, the Amazon, all they eat is fish and farinha. And farinha, is, it's like sawdust. But it's, it has some nourishment, but that's all they eat. And they live from meal to meal. When it's time to eat, they go catch a fish. I mean, that's how most of them live. But this village was really poor. And we started treating them. And this, this young, young girl came on the boat with a little baby. And this little baby was six months old and weighed six pounds. He was just like a raggedy end doll. That's all it was. And she didn't have any milk. They didn't have any food in the village. But it just happened that we had formula on the boat. And Ruth Ann fixed formula and, and showed, told the girl how to take care of the baby. You're going to see now in the video, this little boy now is six years old. When you hold him by the arm or look at his arm, it's just like a broomstick, but he's alive. They didn't want us back there in the, in, the, in the beginning. Now they have a church and they have a, a preacher there in, in their little village. And you'll see this little boy and he's holding a soccer ball and he's called the miracle boy of our boat. 
because it's a miracle that, that he's alive. And a lot of these kids are like that. And sometimes you wonder, you know, is it really worth all this, the expense and the, what you do, the, the Americans that come to help us? But it is. I, I got malaria once, and, and I'll, I'm willing to get it again if that's, that, you know, if you have to get it, you get it. But we, we try to avoid that. But we had a guy come on the boat not, not sometime last year. Well, everybody comes on the boat, comes on with a file card. Because they, they get, if they have not been on the boat before, they get a, a file card off the boat, and then they come on the boat, and he came in the doctor's office. And I saw him, he'd never been on the boat. He had a new file card. And uh, talking to him, and he said, uh, he said, I'd like to meet this Pastor Francisco. And I said, well, I thought, what happened now? I said, it's, that's me. He said, uh, I've heard about this work that you're doing, and I just wanted to come on the boat to thank you and, and your, your crew, your team, for changing the lives of the people that live along the river. That makes you want to go back. That makes you want to go back. And as we go back and see people's lives changed and come to know Christ, it's worth it. You that have been on the boat, you, you know, you know that it's worth it. It's a life-changing experience and it's worth whatever it takes to do it. Ruthann and I are not any younger than we were a few years ago. But we don't plan to stop. Our kids are ready to take over. And I told them it'll be another 20 years. So they're, but they're ready. Three of our four kids, they're going to come. They, they come to help. They come and do their trips. But continue to help us. You, you are faithful supporters of our work. You have been for years and years and years. And you've come. You're scheduled for a trip in February of 23. You'll be the first trip of year after next and we're already scheduled trips for 24 and 25 so we've got people that are coming and but we haven't had a trip since march of 20 and we start our new trips next week as soon as we get back august the third we start two trips in august two in september two in october and then start back again okay get your life jacket on 25 minutes warning man Let's go. I got 25 more minutes? <laughs> okay, get your life jacket on. We're going to go on the boat. Thank you.
Well, I hope uh, this has brought you a little bit up to date and gotten you excited about the different missions and certainly this particular mission uh, on the Amazon. Again, everyone or many people have the opportunity to uh, share in this. They have the opportunity to help in this. As Earl already mentioned, we are going in 2023, uh, and there's other opportunities to go as well. Uh, if you're curious about that, I do want you to contact our mission team. You can talk to Russ. You can talk to Katrina. You can talk to Leslie. You can talk to a few others. Um, I don't remember everybody off the top of my head. Um, uh, Angel uh, Payne. Uh, but you can also talk to people who have been there. And if you're curious about some of the people who have been there, just look at your bulletin. All right? There's some faces on there. Uh, uh, Randy and Jody. Tyge is on there. Jim. Uh, you can go through there. Um, and so uh, you could talk to them as well and get interested in this. Point is, we continue to help, we continue to serve, and we continue to bless not just this church with our work and our service, uh, but churches and communities all over the place, particularly on the Amazon. I want to thank Earl. Don't forget, we do have a lunch afterwards. And I'm going to ask God to bless this time, and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Father, we do thank you for uh, your, your uh, missionaries. We thank you for uh, your son, Earl being here to talk to us, to speak to us. We thank you for uh, your sons and daughters around the room who also have this opportunity to serve and to work in this way. We thank you that we get the chance to support work in this church, work outside of this church, and work around the world to expand your kingdom, to grow your kingdom, to introduce Jesus to people who need Jesus, people who always need Jesus. Father, we ask that you uh, remind us of these things that we know and that we see, these things that we learn. And we ask also, Father, you put a challenge upon our lives, our hearts, and our minds so that we will continue to help and to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, you're dismissed to the foyer.